At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is the Asian Madness Podcast. A podcast where we discuss all things true crime, morbid, mysterious, and odd from the Asian continent. I am your host, Jessica. Good day, listeners. It's Jessica back again with another sad episode for you. Hope everyone's doing great in life. You don't necessarily have to do great things, because sometimes just keeping yourself alive and on track can be a pretty great accomplishment. Also, remember to stay hydrated. So believe it or not, this is my last double-digit episode, as next episode will be episode 100. What a journey. Anyway, we're not here for that. Let's get into today's case. Today's case was a suggestion from a listener, Lucy Wong, so thank you so much, Lucy, for bringing this case to my attention. I obviously do not know the language, so please forgive me for not sounding native. So as we know, there are many unsolved cases around the world. Sometimes we think it's obvious what happened, but without the victim being alive to tell us, and without any concrete proof, we can only speculate and rely on evidence that we have. Sometimes we find a person of interest, but many times we don't. In today's case, the motive, the method, and whether it was suicide or murder is still very much unclear. All these things I mentioned are related, because if it's suicide, it means something completely different from homicide. Please be aware that there will be mentions of suicide, obviously, since I already mentioned it. So if you're struggling, please feel free to skip this episode and maybe reach out to a friend, family, or a professional for help. This is the mysterious death of a young man from Indonesia, and like I mentioned, everything about it is very much unclear. His name is Aksena Ahadori, who is also referred to as Ace. Let's begin. Let's travel back in time to March 26, 2015, to Universitas Indonesia, or the University of Indonesia, one of the top universities in Indonesia. 
This university has various campuses, and the one we are focusing on today is located in Depok City, which is a city in the West Java region in Indonesia. This campus is currently considered the main campus for the university, and it is home to various departments, including humanities, pharmacy, engineering, and mathematics and natural sciences, which is the focus of today. Within the Depok campus, there are six lakes: Lake Kenanga, Lake Agathis, Lake Mahoni, Lake Puspa, Lake Ulin, and Lake Salam. It's not likely you will notice this because I never would have noticed, but apparently, if you use the first letter of each lake name, it spells out the word campus with a K, like K A M P U S, which literally means what you think it means, as in campus. So again, it is March twenty six, twenty fifteen. A student from the university is walking around one of the campus lakes, Lake Kenanga. When something odd catches their attention, upon closer investigation, it was shocking. It was not something anyone would ever think they would have to witness throughout their lifetime. That's right. That something odd that caught the attention of the student was the body of a person floating in the lake. Understandably, the student immediately called for help, and in no time, police were swarming the university campus. The police could not identify the body at first, so he was simply labeled as a John Doe, and the body was then transported to a hospital, where they would perform an autopsy and hopefully find out the identity of the corpse. And thus began the strange and mysterious case of the young man we know of as Axena. But let's turn the clock back some more and talk a bit about this young man found in the lake. Aksena Ahadori was born on June second, nineteen ninety-six. He was from the city of Yogyakarta, then studying in the University of Indonesia, majoring in biology. He was said to have been extremely smart, hardworking, and dedicated to his schoolwork. It makes sense because it takes a lot more than just being smart to get accepted into a top-rate university anywhere. He was a very regular young man in the best way possible. Kind of introverted, as in he had friends, but mainly a close group of friends. He had parents who cared for him, with his father being a first marshal of the armed forces, now retired. He had a decent upbringing, and then through dedication and perseverance, he managed to get accepted into a great university. It was also said that he stuck to a general lifestyle, never really straying from a schedule, and not the type to just up and leave. How did a person like him end up dead, floating in a university campus lake? At this point, it sounds like an accidental drowning, maybe, but there's more. So here's a more detailed look at the events that led up to this horrific discovery. Five days prior to the discovery of the body, on March twenty-first, twenty fifteen, Axena was on a call with his parents. It was a regular phone call between parents and child, asking about how they were doing. What was going on, etc. According to records, Axena talked mainly about buying a bike in order to get around the city and the school campus. It was pretty normal; lots of young adults get bikes when they are able to. They talked about the kind of bike he should get. You know, fascinating details about a bike. Nothing seemed wrong or stood out at the time. 
So with that, the family call ended, and life went on. A few days following that call, though, Oksana's mother attempted to message him and call him again to check up on him. But every time she tried, the call or messages either did not go through, or they went unanswered. As a parent, you cannot help but worry. But you also understand that university is tough. There's a lot of work involved, so she comforted herself by telling her that he must be simply very busy, nothing to worry about. He will reach out once he has time. She must have felt like something wasn't right, though, because there was a part of her that kept nagging at her. But no one really wants to think of worst-case scenarios, so understandably, she continued to silence those thoughts. When attempts to reach Aksena continued to fail, two of Aksena's relatives, or maybe close family friends, whom we will refer to as an uncle and an auntie, decided to go check up on him on March 29, 2015, three days after the body was found floating in the lake, and eight days after Aksena last spoke with his parents. Aksena's parents did not live close to him, so it made sense if someone else went to check up on him first. So the auntie and the uncle arrived at the apartment where Aksena lived at, and not surprisingly to us, he was not there. In fact, he hadn't been seen in quite a while. The two tried to ask the apartment superintendent to help them out, maybe open up his room door to see if he was in there or if they could at least get a sense of what was going on. Despite their efforts, the request was rejected. That made sense, I guess, since the superintendent probably did not know who these people were, and it would be kind of strange to just let them into somebody else's room. The auntie and uncle didn't know what else to do, so they left and informed the parents that they were unable to locate their son. At this point, things were starting to feel wrong. Aksena's mom began to call and text repeatedly, but still, the text did not go through and her calls went to voicemail. Finally, at around 9pm the same day, all her texts managed to get delivered. Does this mean that the phone was finally turned on? She called as soon as she realized this, and initially no one answered. She then made a call to the apartment management, and to her surprise, he told her that her son was still nowhere to be found, but a few of his friends were in the room looking around. She tried calling Xena's phone again, and this time, someone picked up the phone. The person who picked up was not Xena, but a very good friend of his, a young man named Jibril. Jibril was said to have been Aksena's closest friend. They went to school together, constantly visited each other's apartments, hung out all the time, and were just basically your average good bros. Aksena's mom was confused and asked Jibril what the heck was going on and where her son was. Jibril explained that he and a couple of other friends were let inside Aksena's room and that they were also looking for him as they hadn't seen him for the past five days. They had found his phone and several personal belongings in his room, but aside from that, they found nothing else of interest. Nothing that could indicate where Aksena had gone. Things were definitely starting to look weird and concerning. Due to this new piece of information from Aksena's friends, his father decided it was time for him to make a trip over to Depok City to check things out and to hopefully find his son. At this point, they had also heard about the body that was found in Lake Kananga in the university campus. 
supposedly a suicide victim. So understandably, he had to face reality and check that lead out, regardless of how terrifying it was. Aksena's father, Mardoto, arrived in Depok City on March 30th, 2015, a day after they spoke to Aksena's friends. It seems like it was a bit of a messy situation when he tried to talk to the police and the hospital staff. As much as he dreaded doing so, he needed to check the John Doe to see if he could indeed be his son. He also approached the police with a photo of his son, asking to see the belongings they found along with the body. In one source, the police reportedly rejected Mardoto's request, saying that the photo did not look like the body they fished out of the lake. While that sounded slightly comforting, fact is that his son was still nowhere to be found, so he decided to go to the university campus to see if he could find anything else. He managed to find one of Aksena's professors and two of his friends. Then one of the friends handed over something to Mardoto that really made things even more complicated. It was apparently a note, or rather a suicide note, that they had found inside Aksena's room. Why this note was not handed over earlier is weird, and why had they not mentioned this note on the call to Aksena's mother was also strange. Even if they found it after the call, they could have easily called back or, better yet, notified the police. I know it's not great to assume what a normal person would have done, but this simple act seems to be pretty intuitive. As for the content of the note, it was even weirder. It read, quote, Will not return for eternity. Please don't search for existence. My apologies for everything. Sincerely, Aksena. It was written in English, so that's a direct quote. What do you make of this suicide note? Mardoto was not at all convinced that his son wrote this. To him, it just did not sound like something his son would write. Worst of all, if the John Doe was Aksena, this could absolutely convince the police even further that Aksena was a troubled young man who decided to end his life. With this new piece of information, Mardoto returned to the police and showed it to them, requesting again that they show him the body and the belongings found. It took a while for them to sort things out, but eventually Mardoto was able to see the John Doe. The body had been dead for about a week now, and since it was in the water for about two days, there was a lot of bloating and disfigurement that made it quite difficult for anyone to ID the corpse. But it was later stated that Mardoto made a positive ID, and that the John Doe was definitely his son, Exena. Mardoto recognized the body from the clothing, a black jacket, green pants, and sneakers, and also his son's nose. I guess that's something only a parent would be able to distinguish, because it feels very close and personal. Mardoto also learned that his son's body was found on the 26th, and it was guesstimated that his body had been in the water approximately two days. I guess the worst had been confirmed after all. Aksena was only 19 when he died. Do I have a job? Yes. Can I feed myself? Also, yes. But that doesn't mean I don't stress about money and just go with the financial flow. We all know what the financial flow looks like, and it does not look good. 
Inflation is very real, and managing money, trying to stay on top of my financial goals, is an unbearable hassle. So, how can you make your financial goals more achievable and, of course, simpler? Chime is a financial technology company that can help manage money you already have and also help build your credit score over time. With Chime, there's no monthly fees, no minimum balance, and no deposit needed to become a member. Once you're signed up and link a qualifying direct deposit, you get benefits like getting paid two days earlier and fee free overdraft of up to $200. So sign up for a Chime checking account today to link your paycheck. It only takes two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at chime.com slash Asian. That's chime.com slash Asian. Chime is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank North America or Stride Bank North America. Members, FDIC. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. See chime.com slash spot me. Like I mentioned, the police initially ruled Xena's death as a suicide because it wouldn't be the first time we hear about a student in Asia killing themselves over the stress of schoolwork or, perhaps, depression. The suicide note found also helped fuel this theory. One of Aksena's professors had indicated that Aksena, while exceptional, was not doing so well that semester. He had participated in the National Biology Olympiad and won regional, not national. After failing to win national, it was said that he began to act differently, as in he became quite moody and down. Maybe it was depression. Maybe it was something else. But he wasn't doing great. His GPA had supposedly gone from a 3 point something to a 2.5, and if you're not familiar, GPAs are usually 4 out of 4, so a 2.5 is probably average at best. Another interesting thing that made them think that this was suicide was the fact that along with Xena's body, a backpack was also recovered on him, and this bag was said to be carrying a lot of bricks, around 14 kilograms worth or around 30 pounds. Maybe enough to weigh a person down. This is a bit odd to me, because while yes, someone who wanted to drown themselves in a lake could definitely find ways to make sure they drowned, maybe by wearing a very heavy backpack to make sure they don't float. But on the other hand, we've also heard of mob killings and such, where killers tie rocks and bricks to their victims and throw them in bodies of water to make sure they sink. Which seems more likely to you? If you're trying to drown yourself, wearing a backpack doesn't seem very foolproof because you have a high chance of taking it off underwater. But if, say, you're unconscious and someone wanted to get rid of your body, Making the person put on a brick backpack would be a great way for them to sink to the bottom of a shallow lake. FYI, the lake was said to be not deep at all, as in he could probably stand up in the lake and not drown. Both possible, but one more than the other. Aside from what I just mentioned, there's also some conflicting information from the autopsy and crime scene investigation. Aksena's body was found to have sand and water in his lungs, 
so we can say for sure that he was still alive when he went into the lake. So that works for both suicide and homicide. Another thing they found was that there were signs of blunt force trauma on Oksana, which could also be from his own doing, such as falling or hitting something in the water, or maybe he was hit with something, fell unconscious, and then got thrown in the lake with a brick-filled backpack. Again, both scenarios could technically work. The last piece of information that made it less of a suicide was the fact that Oksana's shoes were very badly damaged, which indicated that it was likely he had been dragged, which would then cause the back of his shoes to get all scratched up. You could argue that this damage to his shoe could have happened prior to his death. Maybe the way he walked caused the back of his shoes to get more worn out. Or maybe he simply didn't take care of his shoes. But the marks were quite distinct, and it just did not appear to be the kind of regular wear and tear that could take place on shoes. Another thing that did not make this look like a clear-cut suicide case was, in fact, the suicide note. I know, it's odd. Like, you found a suicide note. Isn't that enough to determine it's a suicide? Well, not if you actually look at the note, which, unfortunately, you cannot do on a podcast. Be sure to check out Facebook and Instagram later for the show notes. Or, if you're impatient, go ahead and Google it. The note has several words crossed out, and the words that substituted the crossed-out words did not seem to match the handwriting from the other writings. In other words... Could someone have doctored this note to make it look more ominous? This note was also sent to a handwriting expert at the American Handwriting Analysis Foundation, and their findings concluded that the note was most likely written by more than one person, or perhaps not by Xena at all. The handwriting simply did not match. Quote, whoever the second person was thought they were smart. Unquote. Again, the note read, will not return for eternity. Please don't search for existence. My apologies for everything. Sincerely, Aksena. If you count, there are three fours used in this note. For eternity, for existence, for everything. But there were two distinct ways that it was written out, and you don't have to be an expert to notice this. The word existence was also written in a complete different style of writing. Lastly, the expert concluded that the signature on the bottom was not that of Aksena's usual signature. What does this mean? This means that this case was no longer a suicide case, but that of a homicide. There were a few people that were kind of fishy, but not fishy enough to be labeled a suspect. Let's start with the obvious ones. Aksena's friends. As we know, his friends got permission to enter his room and even managed to turn his phone on. Honestly, we can see this from two sides. On one hand, his friends were worried after not hearing from him for days, so they decided to pay a little house visit to check on him. On the other hand, it also means that his room could have contained valuable evidence, but the police took too long to secure it as they didn't know the identity of the John Doe till almost a week after he was found after his friends had already gone in and done God knows what. If anything important was in that room, his friends could have gotten rid of it, and somehow later produced a suicide note that they allegedly found while in his room. 
If that was the case, again, why did they not hand the note over as soon as they found it? Assuming they are involved in his death, could they have come up with the idea to co-write the suicide note after they realized Aksena's parents were closing in on them? Could it have been an accident which they then tried to cover it up as a suicide? Or did something actually happen between him and his friends to cause this? This is only assuming his friends are actually involved. One not-so-obvious suspect but someone that Aksena's father, Mardoto, had in mind was one of Aksena's professors. According to Mardoto, he felt that this professor was a bit too involved in Aksena's academic situation, as he was the one who made the comment about Aksena's failing GPA and work. I don't really see this as a strong connection here, but when you have nothing to go on, it makes sense that you try to make as many connections as possible. If the professor was involved, he could have made those comments about Aksena's failing schoolwork as a way to justify him killing himself. This, of course, is pure speculation, so take it with many grains of salt. One last suspect, or rather, suspects, is also difficult for me to understand, but still needs to be talked about. According to Mardoto, he felt that it was possible that his son was murdered by the LGBTQ community. Yeah, I know how that sounds. Without context, very homophobic. But even with context in this case, still kind of homophobic. If you don't know, Indonesia is not exactly LGBTQ friendly. Maybe because of traditional culture or maybe because of religion. According to Mardoto, again, his son could have somehow been involved with the community. But he denied that his son was gay because, quote, I know my child. He is healthy and normal, unquote. Yeah, okay. Even if Aksena was gay, I doubt he would tell his father. And even if he did, I doubt his father would believe him. Or even admit to it. What he does believe, though, is that Aksena could have been befriended by the LGBTQ community on campus. And when he rejected their invitation to join them, they murdered him. Quote, If it really has something to do with the LGBT community or any community... Maybe my child refuses to join, knows about their activities, unquote. Meaning, Aksena knew too much about the LGBTQs out there, so in order to keep his mouth shut, they killed him. I know how this sounds. It makes the LGBTQ community or group sound like a cult or secret spies. Anyway, I just don't really buy this theory because I fail to see the connection. But hey... It was mentioned, so I have to tell it like it is. And honestly, there aren't any more suspects in this case. No one really harbored resentment towards Aksena as far as people could tell, and he was an introvert who was mostly concerned with his schoolwork. He probably couldn't even do enough to make enemies. As you can imagine, this case went cold. Most people believe that he did not kill himself according to the evidence I've mentioned earlier. But even though the case went cold, a couple more things happened that brought more mystery to this case. So on July 3rd, 2015, a few months after Xena's body was discovered, his Twitter was suddenly online and a new tweet appeared. It was only one word. Test. 
Weird, right? Makes you wonder who had access to his account. Or maybe it was hacked. A week after that one-worded tweet, another one appeared from Oxena's account, but this time, it was a little wordier. It read, quote, I am Oxena's best friend, R, unquote. Who is R, and how did they get access to Oxena's Twitter account? And why did they decide to suddenly log in and tweet from it? A day later on July 11th, a third tweet appeared and this time it said something to the effect of, I promise I will avenge all of you for what you did to Axena. I will learn to be like you and of course carry out the same thing, but with my own methods. Take notice, R. Not completely sure what that's supposed to mean, but it kind of sounds like the beginning of a teen revenge movie where the person who was murdered suddenly comes back and kills all their killers. But of course, it's not actually them, but like a friend or a family member. So those were weird, but there's one more. On November 14, 2017, two and a half years after Axena's death, his Twitter account again comes back to life, and someone tweeted one word, me. Some of these tweets were deleted not long after they were posted, but someone managed to get a screenshot of this last one right before it was deleted. Basically, someone nicknamed R showed up on Twitter using Xena's account, talking about revenge. Who this is is still a mystery, but until now, nothing has happened. Or at least, not that we know of. It's been eight years since Xena's death, and unfortunately for the family, no new clues and no new suspects have come up. It's nice to know that the police were at least receptive when it came to new evidence, as in changing it from 100% suicide to homicide. I know police probably hate having unsolved cases, and this one must be frustrating, as it's been eight years since his death, and still no real suspect has emerged. If you're wondering why they're having such difficulty solving this case, most would say it's the fact that Xena was ruled as a suicide victim at first, and he was not identified till like a week later. If there had been any evidence of him being murdered, then all that evidence would have been tampered by the time a real investigation started. Someone, maybe Axena's friends, could have used the opportunity to enter his room with the excuse of looking for him, when in fact, they were cleaning up after themselves and trying to make it look like a suicide. Again, not saying they're guilty, but with no suspects and limited info, we don't really have that much to go on. Axena's family has voiced their despair and protested against the police force for not being very involved in their son's case. And not just the police. They also felt that Universitas Indonesia did not even bother to help them. Quote, We asked for legal assistance and the formation of an internal investigation team, but were refused. They only provided legal assistance for the students who were witnesses to this case but refused to provide legal assistance to us, unquote. This sounds rather cold to me, because Axena was enrolled in the university at the time of his death. It was even pointed out that the university had various resources, like forensic labs and legal experts who could probably help. But still, they never did. Why would they not want to help? I personally wonder if it's because they don't want to be associated with a murdered student, 
like it's bad vibes or bad for business. Either way, seems rather cold. So there you have it, the case of a young man who died under mysterious circumstances, and still very much unsolved. What do you think happened to Oksana? Which seems more likely to you? While both scenarios are technically possible, I personally lean towards murder. Those extra details are somewhat unsettling, which kind of leads me away from the suicide theory. It is said that the police have dialed back their search for Xena's killer by a lot, much to the family's dismay, probably because it's been so long, and also due to lack of new evidence and leads. I really do hope we can get to the bottom of this case one day, sooner than later. The parents need to know, and if anyone was involved in his death, they need to be brought to justice. Thanks for tuning in to this rather depressing episode. Please be aware and watch out for your friends and family. Also be careful of who you trust. Till next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you enjoyed my content, please rate and review me on iTunes. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.